from the Pictures Out There studios. Welcome to the Pictures Out There podcast series with Dave Fogelman and Lee Stewart. Pictures Out There ties the future to the present and is a new approach for vision and action toward a better future. And now, here's Dave and Lee. Hi, everybody. This is Dave. And this is Lee. And welcome again to our podcast series, Pictures Out There. Let's briefly review the last podcast that we had. We had the pleasure of listening to a couple of wonderful childhood stories from Lee Stewart that were in the context of our earlier conversation related to connection and our community of caring and how that evolves and grows and develops over time. Today, we're going to talk about a fourth picture. The first three we've previously discussed were spirituality and religion and ending violence and then our physical selves. Today, we're going to have a conversation and share a picture around money and materialism or money and stuff. Stuff. Lee, you remember uh, the comedian George Carlin's routine on stuff? George Carlin, the late George Carlin. There are those of you who may remember a routine he had called stuff in which he described he's living in Los Angeles in a lovely home that's filled with beautiful material possessions. And one day he says, I got to drop out of the rat race for a while. I got to get away. I got to find myself. I got to leave this behind. So he packs a couple of suitcases full of stuff (laughs) and goes to an island. Then he goes to an even more remote island and has to leave half of his stuff at the previous island. Well, as the story unspools, he's in a little hut on a remote island, and he's just carefully placing inside the hut the stuff that he still has with him, even though the intent of the trip was to get away from material possessions and the stresses those bring. So we thought it'd be funny to start with uh, that little comic routine and sharing that again with you. But money and materialism is a topic that can inspire a lot of emotion, money, things, material goods, stuff. There's probably been more philosophy, theory, books, essays written, and more said on the topic of money and economics than just about any other area of human interest. In a contest of what inspires the most emotion in people, it often gives love a run for its money. Uh, Okay, sorry, just couldn't resist that one. It was was sitting there. Uh, Material wealth provokes strong feelings, and it is serious business. The way the current economic game of life is played in our world, death is sometimes the ultimate price for an individual losing in the game of money. We usually don't like facing that fact, and we usually don't like talking about it. I hope that you hear we're putting the game in quotation marks, and more on that in a moment. People want to feel superior to others in the, quote, game of life. Often, their choice is to do that through gaining and hoarding money and other material possessions, more stuff. They want life to be an endless series of competitions and not about cooperation or collaboration. They want and need to always be the winners in a competition to endlessly acquire more money, no matter what the consequences may be to other people. They think it does not involve them or affect them if some other people are the losers in this game of money. They believe the game of life really is just the game of money. And indeed, they believe these are games. The acquisition of money and stuff is highly addictive. 
but we do not yet treat the unbridled and unprincipled pursuit of monetary wealth like we do other serious human addictions. Well, it's our point of view that we should. So we're going to describe a picture for you about money and materialism in the future. And this is one that I think uh, people lots of times shy away from. It seems uh, almost incomprehensible that as a human society we could solve this, but we believe that it is solvable, and we believe that our whole global society, our whole human society can get to a different place with money and materialism. So we're going to describe a picture of that for you. It's ours. What's yours? Well, this was another tough one that couldn't be solved with the wave of a wand. It took a lot of time, dedication, hard work on the part of all of us. But we did it. We have an economic system that reflects our ideals. How did we do it? We attacked the challenge on all fronts, you might say. The challenge of literacy, the greatest hurdle for functionality in the adult world, was made a worldwide priority and has been eliminated over time. Illiteracy, that is. This was primarily done by focusing on mandatory reading skills for all children and by using our technology to really advance education. Through the transition period, the large numbers of illiterate adults were aided by the development of talking contact lenses and hearing aids that, at the push of a button, interpreted the words that the wearer was seeing and could say the words aloud. In addition, there was a recognition that a certain amount of income and material things had to be supplied to every human being in order to meet the bare minimum that we expect of ourselves in helping each other as a fully civilized society. To receive that bare minimum, an individual who couldn't find a job in the free market economy had to work at a job that was deemed value-added by our society. At the other end of the spectrum, we recognized that there was a maximum amount of annual income that any one individual should have. Individual wealth beyond that level should be unnecessary for happiness and reflected a negative personal addiction to money and or to competition. The impacts to society of that level of personal greed or addiction to competition were unacceptable. We managed that transition gradually over time as a way to detoxify those who were excessively addicted. Over a 30-year period, which is a period that we chose as a time frame where the change could be made and a transition could be made, we allowed individuals to have a maximum income that was calculated in relation to the annual minimum income. We first raised the annual minimum income to a true living wage. Each year and over that 30-year period, the maximum income that was allowed would decrease in relation to the annual minimum. So, here's a quick sidebar to this picture that gives you a sense of how this would be calculated. To illustrate, let's assume a true annual minimum living wage is $40,000. Okay? In year one, we permitted income up to 10000 
times that amount. That sounds just incredible. We permitted that in year one. That comes to, in this example, $400 million that somebody could make in a year. 10,000 times the minimum. Each year, over that 30-year period, the maximum income that was allowed would decrease as a proportion. So, for example, in year 10, you now could make no more than $40 million, or 1,000 times that 40,000 minimum. In year 20, you now can make no more than 24 million, or 600 times the minimum. Finally, in year 30 and beyond, you now can make no more than $4 million, or 100 times the minimum. All income over these maximum limits was 100% returned to the economy and to the rest of society through taxation. Okay, now back to our picture. Now, during this 30-year adjustment period, if the cost of living increased, then we increased the annual minimum in a corresponding fashion. And as a result, the annual maximum would also increase proportionately. My goodness, it was hard for some of us to overcome our excessive addiction. But we did. Having 30 years to adjust, it became absurd and embarrassing for a person to suggest that they couldn't live a completely satisfying, happy life without making more than a hundred times what some of their brothers and sisters on the planet were making as a minimum. During those 30 years, an interesting thing happened. Those people who had previously been excessively addicted, hey, if you've got to have a hundred times more than your brothers and sisters, you're probably still addicted. Well, those people actually became happier over time. They were less detached from the lives of other people. They were more a part of things and not apart or separate. They found other ways to get personal satisfaction or even to feel superior to others or to win if that was still so very important to them. But those ways were no longer damaging to other humans. We separated the freedom to do what we want to do from the freedom to make outrageously obscene amounts of money. Also, if some people weren't motivated to do what they were capable of doing without getting paid obscene, ridiculous amounts of money, then we decided that we could all do without those contributions. Guess what? People are still innovating as much as they ever have. More so, in fact, innovation is still incentivized economically as well. If society as a whole gets wealthier, then it raises the annual minimum individual income level. Then the maximum income that someone can have also rises. We tied the two together. To the extent we still have personal greed, it is more motivated now to lift all of us together instead of just lifting someone's personal wealth at everyone else's expense. How quick we had been to pool our resources to physically protect ourselves or to wage war. We finally became as quick to pool our resources to wage war on hunger, to wage war on homelessness, to wage war on health. Okay, there you are. 
Why not? There's something much better out there. Let's picture it. Then, let's work toward it. Why don't we expect the best in cooperating and helping, like we expect the best in competing? Today, we don't even begin to challenge ourselves enough on cooperating and helping. So, so what? What difference will it make? Why do it? We truly believe that if we create an imaginative, aggressive, and clear picture of our desired future for money and materiality, an essential first step for change, then the world will become a better place faster. We will more quickly agree on how we should deal with materiality as a world community and how we can most quickly and effectively get there. We should have a system that works reasonably well for all of us. For example, we should have a system that at least minimally feeds us, minimally houses us, and gives us adequate medical treatment, assuming we are able and willing to work at jobs that our society deems as value-added. To have a vision that allows work-ready people to starve, to remain homeless against their wishes, or to die because of unavailable medical treatment is the picture of a barbaric society. It's totally unacceptable. It is also not the smartest economics over time, but that should really be a totally secondary consideration compared to requiring an ethic that includes a minimum level of human empathy and consideration. If someone wants to feel superior to other people, then there really are a million other ways to do that. Take up a sport. Take up a hobby. Get really good at it. To have to feel superior only through acquiring and hoarding a ridiculous amount of material wealth is obscene. It's unnecessary and it's harmful to society. To people with that point of view, please... Get your kicks, one of these million other ways. Societies have frequently put limits on personal addictions when it brings harm to the individual and has almost always put limits when someone's personal addiction harmed others. Think about it. Do we allow people to excessively drink alcohol and then drive? No. Do we allow the six-pack-a-day smoker, three-pack-a-day smoker, to smoke in public places? Nope. So why would we treat excessive personal material greed that brings at least as much harm and probably a lot more to fellow humans any differently? Okay, we're going to go ahead and stop here and we're going to look forward to part two of this conversation in our next podcast. We hope you guys have a wonderful day. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining our podcast today. For more information about Pictures Out There products, services, and communities, or to contact us, please visit us at picturesoutthere.com or reach out to us on Twitter at the handle at PicsOutThere. You can also find us on Facebook. Please join us for our next podcast. We hope you have the day of your dreams.